Hello, I am the latest smartphone. You can ask me all kinds of questions. Today my owner had an interesting question. He asked, do you know how to find God? I replied, how should I know? Then my owner asked, do you know what God is like? I replied that God can be very close to you. He knows the answers to all kinds of questions. He is connected all over the world. You can communicate with him, and he knows everything about you. In fact, some people believe that God lives in them, and they carry God around with them wherever they go. My owner thought for a moment and then asked, So, does that mean you are God? Finally I thought, that is a smart question. You know, I have uh, been to Israel probably more than 20 times. I've kind of lost count. And it doesn't take you long when you go to Israel to figure out that uh, the two biggest decisions you'll make before you go to Israel is, number one, who is your guide going to be? And then number two, believe it or not, who is your bus driver going to be? Two big decisions. Well, uh, I hadn't been over there very long until uh, I met a guy. His name is Fozzie. And um, I, after my first trip with Fozzie, I said to the guy that puts our tours together, I said, I want Fozzie to be my bus driver every time that I come to Israel. He, he's like family to me. Matter of fact, uh, we used to, we started going back when my kids were just very, very small. My, in fact, Joshua was a baby when we first went, didn't get to take him. We took uh, Jonathan and James. And Fozzie became kind of like their bodyguard. He would always, when we go to a certain site, I would be speaking and I couldn't watch the kids. And so he let me know up front. He would take care and make sure the kids didn't wander off or whatever. And so he always looked after my kids. And uh, we just, you know, got, got very, very close. And I repeatedly invited him to come to my home if he ever comes to America. I said, Fozzie, I want you to come. I want you to stay in my home. Uh, you're welcome. You're just like family to me. And Fozzie is as sweet and as kind and as gentle a human being as I've ever met in my life. Fozzie is a Muslim. Well, every time uh, I go on a trip, uh, when I go to leave, we go to the airport, and Fozzie knows what's coming. I pull Fozzie aside, and I get my interpreter, uh, and, uh, you know, and, and we begin to, uh, to, to talk. And, uh, and I began to share the gospel of Jesus with him. And I began to explain to him all over again a story he's heard many times, how Christ died for our sins, how he was raised from the dead, and how he wants to come into our life, and he wants to save us. And I share all this with him. And uh, every time I share with him, he never responds. He just smiles. He nods his head. And then we give each other a big hug and a big kiss on each cheek. And I'll always get on the plane wishing and hoping and praying that he will come to Jesus. So I want to say to all of you who are here today or you're at our Mill Creek campus or you may be watching online uh, by live streaming or whatever, I'm glad that you're, you're here today. But I'm really glad because I want to answer a question for all of us this morning and the question is very simple. Why would I do that? Why do I fervently pray and desire that uh, a Muslim bus driver by the name of Fazi, that most of you will never know and never meet, why is it that I fervently pray that this man would become a follower of Jesus? Well, you've probably already figured out it really actually kind of begs a question, which depending upon how you answer that question can either bring a smile and a nod of affirmation from someone you're talking to or 
it can ignite a heated argument and an intense firestorm of a huge debate. Now, we're in a series that we've been calling Let's Get Serious. And what we've been doing is we've been answering some questions that people said they would like to ask one of the most popular ladies in the world right now. She actually lives in my smartphone. I carry with her everywhere I go. Her name is Siri. And Siri is, if you've got a smartphone, she lives in your smartphone. This lady is everywhere. And amazingly, she has a ready answer for a lot of mundane questions. And most of the time, she gets it right. You can ask her things like, how, where's the nearest um, uh, hamburger restaurant? Or you can, you know, how, what, what's the weather like? Or is there a traffic jam ahead of me? Or, or whatever. And uh, she can come up with the answer. Hey, what did the stock market do today? She knows the answer to that question. Gives it really pretty quickly. So we thought it would be kind of fun if we just asked a group of people at random, if you could ask Siri a question and you knew that Siri would give you the right answer, what question would you ask her? Well, what we decided to do was we took Siri off the hook and we said, let's take those same questions and instead of letting Siri try to answer them, which by the way, some of them she can't or she won't, we said, let's let God through his word answer these questions. Now, I want to go back to the conversation that I have with my Muslim friend and I've had for probably 18 or 20 times over the years because it really does beg a very, very big question that people said we would like to ask Siri and see what she has to say. And the question is this, how can Christianity be right and all the other religions in the world be wrong? How can Christianity be right and all the other religions in the world be wrong. Now, of course, I assume, by the very nature of that question, it assumes that Christianity is even right. Because obviously, the reason why I share the gospel with my Muslim friend every time I go over there, and the reason why I fervently pray that he will become a follower of Jesus, is just to be very honest and open, I absolutely believe that what he believes is wrong, and I absolutely believe that what I believe is right. I believe his Muslim faith is wrong. I believe that my Christian faith that is found in the Bible is right. Now, trust me, I get it. Understand, save your emails, save your letter, save your phone calls. I get it. I just made about as politically an incorrect statement as you can make in the 21st century because I realize that at best, there are some of you out there, that statement is very disconcerting, very bothersome. And I realize that at worst, it's very inflammatory. I also realize that I am increasingly in the majority in my viewpoint. I realize that the majority perspective out there does not agree with that perspective. As a matter of fact, no less an illuminary than Oprah Winfrey said this. One of the biggest mistakes we make is to believe that there's only one way to live. There are many ways, there are many paths to what you call God. That's what Dr. Oprah said. If Dr. Oprah says it, a lot of people say, well, then it must be true. Well, another great religious thinker of our day, Madonna, said this, I do believe that all paths lead to God. It is a shame that we end up having religious wars because so many of the messages are the same. Now, that is a very popular viewpoint, very strongly held viewpoint. As a matter of fact, a Barna survey of American adults found <clears throat> that two out of every three American adults said that all religions teach basically the same thing. 
Two out of three people you meet on the street, two out of three people you work with, live next door to, their basic attitude is, look, all religions basically teach the same thing. They're kind of all headed in the same, you know, the same direction. They're just kind of taking different paths to get there. Four out of ten adults said that when Christians or Jews or Buddhists or Muslims are praying to their God, they're all praying to the same God. They're just using different names for, their, for, for who this God really is. So before I address any of these claims, let me make sure that we all understand some truths that I think everybody can agree on, okay? So whether you necessarily agree with what I'm about to say down the road or not, let me just kind of find some common ground so whether you're a liberal or conservative or you believe the Bible or you don't believe it, you're religious, you're, you're not, we can at least agree on, on a couple of things, okay? First of all, let me just emphasize there are certainly other truths in other religions, I, I get that. I understand that. I mean, it's not that every religion is false and completely false. And everything they say is totally wrong. For example, if you've ever studied Buddhism, you'll find that uh, Buddhism has what they call an eightfold path. And in that eightfold path, they say certain things like you should be honest, you should practice charity to the poor, you should serve other people, you should not murder, you should not lust, you should not lie, you should not steal. Well, I totally agree with that. I think that is absolutely true. That is a religious truth that I say, you know what? I totally agree, totally buy into that. Orthodox Judaism and Islam, they both teach and they both believe in a personal creator and that there's only one God. Totally agree with that. Absolutely true. That is a truth that you find in that religion. There are a lot of religions. As a matter of fact, the majority of religions in the world teach Jesus was a great prophet. I believe Jesus was a great prophet. I believe that is absolutely true. There are other religions teach that Jesus was a great teacher, a great philosopher, a great moralist, a great ethicist. Totally agree. He was all of those things, and as a matter of fact, was very, very much more. So I want to emphasize something. Christianity does not have a monopoly on the truth. We're not the only ones that have all the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. There are other truths that you can find in other religions. I think we can all agree on that. Something else I think we can all agree on and, and we can find common ground is certainly we all believe that we ought to have charitable tolerance toward other religions. In fact, all religions. We ought to support the right of anybody to practice their religion whatever that religion may be, as long as it doesn't harm someone else or hurt someone else. That's one of the reasons why I love living in our country. We have freedom of religion. You can be a Buddhist, you can be a Hindu, you can be a Muslim, you can be a Jew, you can be a, a, a Christian, or you can be nothing. You can, it's whatever you want to be. And, and I absolutely believe that we ought to be charitable and we ought to be tolerable and we ought to give people the right and, and, and the respect that they ought to have to believe what they want to believe or not believe what they want to believe. However... None of that means that we have to agree that all religions teach the same thing. And none of that means that we have to agree that all religions are equally true. As a matter of fact, let me just say this. I believe that tolerating a wrong belief by refusing to say it's wrong is wrong. I'm going to say that again. I believe that tolerating a wrong belief that is wrong without saying that it's wrong is wrong. For example, if someone has a disease that could kill them, and a doctor refuses to tell them that they have a disease that can kill them because he wants to respect their privacy or he doesn't want to upset them or he doesn't want to appear like he's being dogmatic, I believe that is wrong. 
So when people say, well, I believe you ought to be tolerant of all other religions. I totally agree. We ought to tolerate everything that is tolerable. No argument. At the same time, even though we ought to tolerate another person's faith and we ought to tolerate their right to practice it, I do not believe that I should tolerate the fact that their faith may be wrong. And this is where we encounter the big problem. Because I'm going to show you something right now that this is a dirty little secret. The fact of the matter is all religions aren't the same. All religions don't teach the same thing. All religions are not even headed to the same destination. And all religions are not even taking the same path to get there. Because upon further review, you look at it, all religions don't even have the same concept of God. As a matter of fact, when I went back and did a little, little study of the different religions in the world, particularly the major world religions, I found out, I found there are at least three different things religions teach about God. For example, on the one hand, there are religions that, that teach that there are many gods. If you go to, uh, to India, I, I've been to India, and I would encourage you to go sometime. It's a great trip. A lot, a, lot, a lot of great work that can be done there. But if you go to India, you'll find that, that there are a lot of Hindus in India. Well, Hindus teach that there are many gods in the world. You can kind of take your pick. You can pick and choose. There are many gods in the world. As a matter of fact, they call these gods divas. Now, sometimes I get to thinking, maybe they're right. Because I meet a lot of divas every week in my ministry, okay? But they believe that there are many gods. They call them divas. Then you come to Buddhism. Buddha rejected Hinduism, not proposing that there's only one God. Buddha said, I don't even believe in a personal God. There may be some kind of an imminent divine force out there that's nameless, but I don't even believe there is a personal God. So you've got Hinduism that says, oh, there's a lot of gods. You've got Buddhism that basically says, no, there's not really a real personal God. And then you've got Christianity and Islam and Judaism. They all teach that there is one God. But then the problem gets even bigger. Because then you go to Judaism and Islam and, 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 and uh, uh, Christianity and you say, well, at least you agree that there is one God. Yeah, that's the good news. The bad news is there's even radical disagreement between them. Because Jews do not believe that their God is the Muslim God that they worship. On the other hand, neither the Muslim nor the Jews believe that Jesus Christ is God, but Christians believe that. Well, both Christians and Jews believe that Jesus died on a cross, but Muslims don't. Neither Jews nor Muslims believe that Jesus was raised from the dead, but Christians do. So we've got to face up to a couple of hard truths. And this is the hard truth. I know some, some won't like it. I know that some's going to think this is a bad thing to say. It's just the nature of the beast. Two, we just got to face up to it. On the one hand, all of the religions in the world cannot be right. It's impossible. It'd be like saying 2 plus 2 equals 4. No, 2 plus 2 equals 5. No, plus 2 plus 2 equals 6. Everybody can't be right. Somebody's got to be wrong. So on the one hand... All religions in the world absolutely can't be right. On the other hand, all the religions in the world can't be wrong unless there's absolutely no God or no divine force of any kind, and then they are all wrong. Furthermore, it doesn't matter what belief system you adopt. I don't care. You be anything you want to be. Be a Christian. Be a Muslim. Be a Hindu. Be a Buddhist. 
Be a Confucianist or just be confused, okay? Just be nothing. I don't care. Whatever belief system that you adopt, you are automatically going to be saying, whether you like it or not, my belief system is right and your belief system is wrong. You're going to automatically say that there are billions of other people who are wrong and you are the one that is right. Here, let me make it real easy. If Islam is right, Christianity is wrong. If Judaism is right, Islam is wrong. Or take all these people who say it doesn't matter what you believe. We all believe basically the same thing. We're all going to the same God. Doesn't matter which path you take. As long as you're sincere in what you believe, you are just fine. You just said to me that billions of Christians and billions of Jews and millions of uh, millions of Jews and billions of, of Muslims are all wrong because all three of those world faiths say our faith is the only way. If you don't hold our faith, you are absolutely wrong. Now, here's what I want you to miss. This is a key point. This is important. If there are many gods, there can't be just one God. If there's one God, there can't be many gods. If there's no God at all, there can't be either one God or many gods. Now, if that makes sense, everybody just nod your head. Okay, can you just do that? All right, that makes sense, right? If there's many gods, there can't be just one. If there's one God, there can't be many. If there's no God, there can't be one or many. Okay, so yeah, that, that makes sense. Okay, let me tell you what you just said. Somebody's got to be right. And somebody's got to be wrong. We can't all be right. And we cannot all be wrong. Now, here's the good news for me. I'm not the first guy that came along and said this. I'm not the first guy that came along and thought this up. I'm not the first guy that connected the dots. I'm not the first guy that followed the crumbs. I'm not the first Christian that ever said this. I'm not even the first preacher of the gospel to make this claim. I want to take you back 2,000 years to a man, and this is what I love about this man that made this claim. There was a man that grew up all of his life fervently believing in one religion. For, for the first part of his life, he absolutely believed the religion I practice is the only religion. It is the only right religion. If you practice any other religion, you're wrong. If you practice any other religion, you don't know God. You cannot get to God. My way is the only way to God. Absolutely would have died for that belief. And almost like that, totally changed course. Totally changed his faith. Totally went to another belief system. And even, and, and not just, he didn't just start believing something else. All of a sudden, he began to declare, you know what? All of my life, I've been wrong. All of my life, all of my family's been wrong. All of my life, all of my friends have been wrong. This is the way that's right. And everybody else is immediately wrong. Everybody else is mistaken. Now, I want you to listen to this man. If you brought a copy of God's Word or your smartphone or your iPad or whatever you use, I want you to turn to the book of Acts. It's real easy to find. Go to the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the New Testament. It's the next book over, okay? I want you to go to Acts chapter 4. Let me tell you about this man. His name was Peter. Peter is talking to the most religious people in Israel. They're all Jews. He was a Jew. He grew up as an Orthodox Jew. And Peter's talking to men that used to be his heroes. He's talking to men that he used to think had it right. He's talking to men that he, he used to say they know the truth. They know the way to God. They're right. Everybody else is wrong. 
They're the ones that have the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. And he made one statement in this gathering. He made one statement in this crowd. He made one statement to this group of religious people. One statement that would forever draw a line between Christianity and every other religious faith that would ever exist. Now I want you to listen to what Peter said. Many of you know this verse. He said, and, we'll read this slowly. There is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men, he's talking about Jesus, which we must be saved. There's no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now I want to leave that up there for a moment. Let that kind of echo out in the, in, the, in, your, in the building. Let it kind of settle in your mind. And I want you to listen now carefully to what this statement asserts. It doesn't just make the claim that Christianity is right and all other religions are wrong. It doesn't just say that. As a matter of fact, it's a lot greater than that. You ready for this? Here's what Peter actually said. He said a relationship and not any religion is the only way to God. He said a relationship and not any religion is the only way to God. Now, here's what I want us to do. Let's just take what Peter said at face value. For Peter to make this unbelievably audacious claim, for an Orthodox Jew who grew up believing with all of his heart, for an Orthodox Jew who was ready to die for his faith, for an Orthodox Jew who believed all of his life, I've got the way, everybody else is wrong, and if you're not going my way, you're going the wrong way. For an Orthodox Jew all of a sudden to do a 180, drop Judaism like a hot potato, and pick up the faith called Christianity, there has to be a reason why he would do that. There has to be something that was so unique to the Christian faith that, that it would move a man like Peter not only to accept Christianity, and exclude every other belief system. There has to be something so unique that this man was willing to say, I'm not just giving my life to a religion. I'm giving my life to a relationship. I'm not just giving my life to a philosophy. I'm giving my life to a person. I'm not just giving my life to a message. I'm giving my life to a man. So what was it that was so unique and so compelling that a follower of Christ like Peter would say to the entire world this is the only way to God I want to suggest three things I want to tell you why I not only believe Christianity is the only faith we should choose I want to share with you three reasons why it must be the right faith to choose number one we should choose Christianity because of one person we should use Christianity because of one person. Now, let me just kind of be honest here, okay? The biggest obstacle to anybody who says all paths lead to God, all religions are the same, is a person named Jesus. Jesus is the fly in the ointment. Jesus is the square peg in the round hole. Let me tell you why. No other founder of any other faith ever claimed to be who Jesus claimed to be and claimed to do what Jesus claimed to do. 
Jesus is the only founder of any religious faith that ever came along and claimed to be the Son of God and claimed to be the God in the flesh. He is the only founder of any religion that ever came along and accepted the worship of his followers. Mohammed would not let you worship him. Buddha would not let you worship him. Confucius would never let you worship him. But without exception, every time in the New Testament, this was before he was even crucified on the cross, every time people fell down and worshiped Jesus, he accepted their worship. Furthermore, he's the only person, the only founder of any religious faith who ever lived who claimed to have died not just for himself, but he claimed to have died for the sins of the whole world. Now you think about that. Neither Mohammed, nor Buddha, nor Confucius, nor any other religious leader has ever died for anyone but themselves. Not one of them ever claimed to live a sinless life except Jesus. Not one of them ever performed miracles like healing the sick and raising the dead like Jesus. Mohammed was a man, never claimed to be anything but. Buddha was a man, never claimed to be anything but. Confucius was a man, never claimed to be anything but. Jesus comes along and says, I'm the son of God. I am God in the flesh. I am fully God and I am fully man. If you had gone to Buddha and you'd said to Buddha, are you the son of the Brahma? He would have said, my son, you're still in the veil of illusion. If you'd gone to Socrates and said, are you Zeus? He would have laughed you off the stage. If you had gone to Mohammed and said, are you Allah? He would have torn his clothes and probably ordered you executed. Christianity alone is centered around a person. Think about this. Every other religion in the world, without exception, every other religion, is based on the teachings of their founder and who that founder claimed God to be. Let me say that again. Every other religion in the world is based on the teachings of the founder and who that founder claimed God to be. Christianity is based on the acts of Jesus and who he claimed to be. No other religion fits that shoe. No other religion fits that bill. See, this is the biggest problem that those of us who are Christians have with people who say all religions are equal. They all basically teach the same thing. Here's, here's the big problem. If Oprah is right, if Madonna is right, if must, much of the culture we live in is right, if much of the world that we live in is right, doesn't matter what you believe, just be sincere in what you believe. We're all headed to the same direction or same destination. We're just kind of taking different paths to diff here, you know, get here. You, you call God this name, we call God that name, but we're kind of all talking about the same God. You know, all religious roads, they all lead to salvation. We're all good to go. If that's true, then Peter's a liar. Because we know what he just said. There's not salvation found in any other name. That's the name, only name, Jesus. Paul is a liar because the apostle Paul said there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. He said there's one mediator. A mediator is a man that brings two people together. He said if you as a man want to get together with God, there's only one person that can get you there, and that's Jesus. Buddha can't get you there. Confucius can't get you there. Mohammed can't get you there. Then Paul was a liar. What's even worse is Jesus was a liar because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. So simply put, 
either Christianity is true and every other religion is false or at least one other religion is true and Christianity is false. Now, the reason that I just made that statement is one word, Jesus. He's the one that upsets everybody's religious cart. He's the one that turns everything upside down because every time you want to get up and you're trying to be kind and you're trying to be nice and you want to be politically correct and you say to someone who's a Muslim or a Buddhist or this or that, hey, that's okay, you're a good guy, you're going your way, I'm going my way, I'll see you at the top of the mountain when we get there. The one problem you've got with that is Jesus. So we ought to choose Christianity because of one person. Number two, we should choose Christianity because of one place. We should choose Christianity because of one place. Now, let me ask you a question. Peter comes along and he says, there is salvation in no one else. There is no other name given under heaven by which we must be saved except Jesus. Well, that kind of begs the question. If I'd, walked, if I'd come along that day and I happened to walk up about the time that Peter said that, and I didn't know anything about Judaism or Christianity, first thing I would have said was, who's this guy he's even talking about? Who, who is this Jesus that Peter is referring to? And if I found out a little bit more, I'd say, whoa, whoa, whoa I got a question. You, you just told me that this guy got crucified just a few weeks ago? Yeah, well, okay, I'm, I'm lost. Why is he even referring to somebody who was just crucified a few weeks ago? And what did you just say? As a common criminal? Are you serious? He was crucified as an insurrectionist? Okay, please help me here. Why is Peter willing to alienate all these Jewish people that he's known and loved and grown up with and respected all these years? Why would Peter be willing to walk away from a faith he's held all of his life because of a man that was crucified as a common criminal and was dead just a few weeks ago? And they would have looked at you or me and said, well, I'll tell you why. It's because of this place. Yeah, what place is that? Uh, it's an empty tomb just about a mile from here. An empty tomb. Yeah, see, the reason why Peter's talking about this Jesus is because he's met this man, lived with him three years, seen him with his own eyes. He saw how this man was crucified, and he went to the tomb, and the tomb was empty. And oh, by the way, he has met this Jesus ever since he came back from the dead. Now, most religions, by the way, the world has over 270. I don't know if you know that or not, just a little trivia. The world has over 270 religions. Most religions are built on philosophies. For example, the, the four major world religions, they're kind of built on, on philosophies and on personality. So let's just examine them for a moment. So we go to Judaism, and we say to Judaism, so who is the founder of your religion? And the Jew, Jew says, well, uh, Abraham. Well, can you tell me about the biography of Abraham and kind of how it all ends? He said, well, yeah, in 1900 B.C., Abraham died, and he was buried, and he's physically still dead. And so then you go to the, to the Buddhist, and you say, can you tell me about your religion? And yeah, our, our religion was founded by Buddha. Really? What about Buddha? Well, about 477 B.C., he died, and he was buried, and physically, he's still dead. And so you go to the Muslim, and you say, can you tell me about your religion? And the Muslim says, well, yeah, our, our religion was founded by a prophet named Muhammad. And in 632 A.D., he died. 
As a matter of fact, he's buried at, at, at Medina, and that's where his tomb is visited by thousands of devout Muslims every year. And if you'd like, you can go with me, and we'll go visit his tomb, because physically, he is still dead. And then you go to the Christian, and you just can you tell me about the founder of your religion, your, your, your religious faith? And he says, well, yeah, Jesus is the founder uh, of my faith. Well, can you kind of tell me how, how it all ended for him? Well, yeah, he died probably about 27 A.D., and he was buried well, can we go visit his tomb? Well, you can, but he's not there. What do you mean he's not there? Well, he came back from the dead. He, he's alive. And the empty tomb is the game changer. Because someone rightly said, Christianity begins where other religions end, and that is with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is the game changer. Because of one place, I tell, I tell you this, and I don't apologize for it. One place, one place, one simple, and I've been there. One place makes all the difference. I, I was reading the other day about a Buddhist in Africa, and uh, he was befriended by a, a missionary who began to share the gospel of Jesus with him. And he began to get him to explore the evidence for the Christian faith and uh, about who Jesus was and what Jesus did. And he began to study the evidence for his, his birth and his life and his crucifixion and, and then the resurrection. And uh, after a while, this Buddhist surrenders his life to Jesus and becomes a follower of Jesus. A little while later, someone found out that he had given his heart to Christ. And so they said to him, they said, why, why, why did you change your faith? How, how did you finally decide to become a Christian? And I love what this Buddhist said. Listen to this, our former Buddhist. He said, well, it's like this. He said, if you're walking along and you come to a fork in the road, and you don't know which fork to take, two men are at the fork of the road. One man is dead and the other man is alive. Which man's directions are you going to follow? I thought to myself, man, that's what I say. I, I've said this to you before. I'm a Christian because I decided I had one vote to cast, and I said, you know, I think I'll vote for the guy that came back from the dead. I, I think he gets my vote. I think I'll go with him, okay? So we should choose Christianity, number one, because of one person, Jesus. Number two, because of one place, the empty tomb. Number three, we should choose Christianity because of one principle. Now, I want you to watch this. This is my favorite part. There was a, a British conference of, uh, that was going on about, about 70 years ago, and it was a conference where all the various world religions came together and kind of discussed their differences and, you know, decided what they could accept together and what they couldn't accept together. And so they, they kind of got off tangent a little bit, and they began to, to debate Christianity and the question got on the floor what is the one thing that makes Christianity totally unique to every other religion in the world and they were trying to figure that out well they they came up was it the incarnation was it the fact that Jesus was you know a uh, 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 God in human flesh and they said well no because there are other religions that teach that, that their God came in human form so somebody else said well uh, was it the resurrection and they said, well, no, because there are other religions that at least tell of some people that return from the dead in their religion. And so they were kind of at an impasse. They were at a standstill. They, they couldn't figure out what is the one thing about the Christian faith that makes it so unique from every other faith. Well, about that time, C.S. Lewis walked into the room. And, of course, he commanded the attention of everyone. When he walked into the room, somebody said, Dr. Lewis, we're having this debate, and maybe you can help settle the question. They said, what is the one thing, in your opinion, that is totally unique to the Christian faith? 
And C.S. Lewis said, gentlemen, that's easy. It's grace. Grace. That one principle. Grace. See, Christianity, of all the other religions in the world, all of them, the only one, the only one, the only one that says a relationship with God, that salvation with God is a gift that you receive by God's grace is Christianity. Every other religion has its own concept of a Savior. So, for example, Buddhists say you save yourself by ceasing all desire. You just become one with the, with, with the divine force of the universe and cease all desire and you'll receive what they call salvation. Hindus come along and say, now you've got to save yourself by detaching yourself from your ego and trying to live in unity with the divine force of the universe. Islam comes along and says, you've got to save yourself by living a life of good deeds and hope that the good outweighs the bad when you die. Orthodox Judaism comes along and says, you've got to save yourself. You, go, you do it through repentance. You do it through prayer. You do it through keeping the law. So you've got 270 religions out there. 269 say, hey, you need a Savior and you're it. It's a Home Depot deal. It's a do-it-yourself proposition. Christianity comes along and says, You need a Savior, but you ain't it, and you can't be it. It's impossible for you to be it, but God has done for you what you cannot do for yourself. He has given you a Savior, and His name is Jesus. He's given you everything you need in that one man. See, here's the difference. Listen to this. Every other religion, 269 out of 270, every other religion is based on your performance. Every one. Your relationship to God is based on what you do. Your relationship to God is based on how well you do it. Your relationship to God is based on how long you do it. Your relationship to God is based on how sincere you do it. It's all on you. It's all up to you. Christianity says... A relationship with God is not based on performance. It's based on acceptance. It's simply based on you accepting what God has done for you through Jesus Christ on the cross and realizing that through Jesus Christ, God will accept you. That's what Christianity is. It's all about acceptance. I accept God through Jesus, and through Jesus, God accepts me. Every other religious faith in the world says, you got to work your way to God, pal. Christianity comes along and says, God is working his way to you. You don't work your way to God because even if you did, you're going to get worn out before you get there. But God is working his way to you. See, this is the earth-shattering truth about Christianity. Listen, some of you out there, if you're watching or you're live streaming or whatever, you're already kind of ticked off already. You know, I thank God you're here and you don't have a gun right now because you might be tempted to use it. Okay, just hang on. Christianity does not teach 
that only Christians deserve to go to heaven. I'm going to say that again real slow. Christianity does not teach that only Christians deserve to go to heaven. Christianity teaches nobody deserves to go to heaven. Nobody. You don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. Nobody deserves to go to heaven. And nobody will ever deserve to go to heaven no matter how much they do. You'll never earn your ticket. The only way to heaven is by the grace of God. Now, if you believe that, and I do, if you believe that, then you have to agree with the next statement. If you believe that is true, then the most important thing we will ever do in this lifetime, ever, is to share the Jesus that we know with people who don't know Jesus. If you believe that, then the most important thing you and I will ever do in this life, more important than making the money, more important than getting to retirement, more important than paying off the mortgage, more important than climbing the ladder, the most important thing you and I will ever do in this lifetime is to share the Jesus that we know with the people that don't know Jesus. And guess what? We can do this right here. We can do it starting today. Let me, get, let me just make it real practical. We got Easter coming up in about, what, about four or five weeks. You can start right now by inviting people to our Easter services. You can start right now by building relationships with our unbelieving friends. You can start right now by sharing your story with people that are open to your testimony and to your witness. We had a, we had a, a couple of ladies that came, Teresa, the other day to clean our house. There was a young lady there, and I won't even call her name because she's supposed to come today, and I don't want to embarrass her, but there was a young lady, I'll just call her Sally. There was a young lady there, and I walked into my study, and she was cleaning the windows in my study, and I got talking to her. And I said, uh, Sally, where are you from? And she told me. And I said, where do you live? She said, I live in Lawrenceville. I said, oh, I said, that's not too far from our church. Do you go to church? She said, no, as a matter of fact. She said, I'm, I'm a single mom. I've got a little, little preschooler. And uh, she said, I've I, I really been wanting to find a church home. I said, I'd love to invite you to our church. And I said, do you have a, and she's real busy, and they had to go to another uh, house, so she you know, didn't have a lot of time. And I said, do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? She said, well, no, I, I, I'm working on it, but I, I don't know that I do. And I said, well, look. I said, uh, I know you don't have time to talk. I get that. I know you got to go. I said, I got a little card. It's called a sure card. And I said, the message on that card will radically change your life. And I said, let me, let me just give you this card. And I said, can I get your contact information? Because I'd like to, like to have you come and bring your little preschooler to our church. And uh, she said, oh, that'd be great. Gave me your contact information. I passed along to Cass Brandon, our preschool uh, pastor. Got an email from the next day, hey, just emailed Sally. Sally's coming. She's going to be at church, not, not this Sunday. She could, but this Sunday, she's supposed to come to our church and bring that preschooler. You can do that. I mean, that's not hard. You know, if you're an Auburn or a Florida person, you, you can do that. It's not hard. Just invite people to come, right? It's not, not hard. Some of you Tennessee people might can pull it off, okay? I'm just going to get them all while I'm in here, all right? But you can do that. Anybody can do that. So you can just start inviting people, you know, just to come to our Easter service. Build relationships. Now, let me tell you another way you can do it, okay? In your order of worship, I want you to pull this card out. It's called Expedition. Everybody pull this little card out. It's called Expeditions. Expeditions are trips that we take. Some are just beyond the walls of the church. They're right here in our community. Some are outside the borders of this country where we serve others, we share our story. You'll find this in your guide. Here's what I'd like for you to do. Every one of us 
can take our faith to the faith next door. Everybody can do that. And all you need to do, just tear off the portion of that card, fill it out. If you're interested, by the way, you're not saying you're going to go on a trip if you do this. But if you would just look through all of these opportunities and say, you know, I'm willing to at least get information about this trip. I'm willing at least willing to pray about maybe this is what God would have me to do and where God would have me to go this year. Just fill this card out completely. Tear it off and then return it. There's a lobby display out there. You'll see it says Expeditions. You can do that as you leave. Okay, so that's kind of your practical assignment. Now, one last newsflash. Save this one for last. See, the question that we've been answering is a little bit misleading. Because Christianity is not even a religion. Christianity is a relationship with a Savior and a Lord who has risen from the dead. I'm going to tell you something that may shock some of you. I'm a pastor, so it's really shocking. I don't even like religion. I've seen what religion can do. I pastored, every church I pastored, I've had people, every church, they had religion, they didn't have Jesus. They had religion, they didn't have Christianity. I'm just not that into religion. I am big time into Christianity because it is a relationship. So let me just close with this. I want you to imagine that you're offered a choice of four gifts. You can have either one of these four gifts you want, okay? You could have the original Mona Lisa. You could have the keys to a brand new Ferrari. You could have $10 million in cash. Or you could have a parachute. Now, if you only pick one, which one would you choose? Now, before you decide, let me just give you one other piece of information that will kind of help you make your decision. In one minute, you've got to jump out of an airplane at 10,000 feet. You say, <laughs> kind of makes the choice easy, right? Because the only thing that's going to save you from that force of gravity and from the fall of that airplane is that parachute. Okay, now let me tell you what this has to do with what we've been talking about this morning. Every one of us stands on the edge of eternity. None of us knows when we're going to have to jump out of this plane called life. I just met with one of our members this morning. She was just almost in tears. Just found out her 45-year-old cousin two weeks ago, picture of health, eats healthy, works out, exercises, starts having headaches. Two weeks ago, found out started having headaches. Was just operated on in North Carolina. Had a tumor the size of a baseball. His life expectancy is up to no more than three years. You never know. You never know when you're going to have to jump out of that plane through the door called death. And the question is, when that time comes and you have to jump, same question everybody's going to ask if you've ever jumped out of an airplane, and I have one time and once was enough. Will I land safely? Now, every other religion says, you got to make your own parachute. It's all up to you. But... Since you're not perfect, the parachute may fail. And here's the bad news. You're not going to know whether you land safely or not until you jump out of the plane. Christianity comes along and says, God made your parachute. And God never fails. 
And he gives it to you by his grace. And oh, by the way, there's an empty tomb that guarantees you will land safely. Because there's already one that jumped out of the plane before you and he landed with both feet. His name is Jesus. So the answer to the question for me, so is Christianity is right and all other religions are wrong? The answer to me is real easy and this is my answer. There's nobody like Jesus. Never has been, never will be. Let's pray together.